Praise God. We're going to read one lesson uh, out of the, author of the Believer's Authority, and then we're going to go a little different way for the, the balance of our time. So are you all ready? You got your syllabus? Yes. How the power flows. Uh, you got to find somebody really knowing it. And uh, I got Benny Hinn's number if you want to call him afterwards. Yeah. Lesson 19. Uh, so, the woman with the issue of blood, she powerfully illustrates the truth about how the kingdom of God operates by law. And uh, we're going to read Mark 5. A certain woman who had an issue of blood, she had it 12 years. She suffered many things and many physicians spent all that she had. She was not better. She was worse. But when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. She said, if I can but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, he turned about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? He looked around about to see her that had done this thing. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth, and he said unto her, Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Brother Andrew's comments is, Jesus was in the midst of a multitude of people who were thronging him. That means they were crowding in close, constantly bumping into and touching him. Many people were reaching out and touching him and trying to receive their healing. However, this little woman with the issue of blood came and touched the hem of his garment. Instantly, the power of God flowed right through Jesus' body, through his garment, and into this woman. Immediately she was healed of an infirmity that had plagued her for 12 long years. As soon as this happened, Jesus turned around and asked, Who touched me? Some people believe that this religious concept that Jesus knew all things. Therefore, they considered the question to be purely rhetorical, saying Jesus didn't really mean it. But he already knew everything that was going on. But that's not accurate at all. The Word says, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man, Luke 2.52. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man. Because he was in the flesh, a physical human body, he had to learn things the same way that you and I do. The Word says that he increased in wisdom and knowledge. I, th I think sometimes people do, either they don't know or they for forgot that Jesus actually had to get knowledge. Because he... Was, he was full of God, but he was also man. I think it's uh, uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy. Uh, I can't remember the text, but it, it talks about, use the text about there's one man or there's one mediator between uh, Christ and man. It's, and it says the man, Christ Jesus. In heaven, Jesus will always be known as the man because he gave up his, his uh, claim to complete deity and was and by choice decided to be born on earth as a human. I don't know, you think about that. <laughs> I mean, we, we, you know, we don't really have a concept of that because we never had the other way. But if you was complete deity and you was complete God, can you imagine who's calling me? <laughs>
Everybody's got a brother, don't they? My older sibling's unchurched, so he doesn't register in his mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't ever feel bad if I'm preaching and your phone goes off. <laughs> I mean, you would think to me it's probably not going to happen, but oh well, blew that one forever. And now I have increased in wisdom to know how to hit the I can't believe Barbara's brother. Mm. Okay, where, where was I? He was full of God. I was just talking about this. He was full of God and fully man because he was in the flesh. A physical human body. He had to learn, the same, he had to learn things the same way you and I do. The word here says that he increased in wisdom and knowledge. In his spirit, Jesus was Lord at his birth. That's what the angels said when they made their announcement to the shepherds. For unto you this day, or is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So even though in his spirit realm he was God, Jesus didn't come out of the womb speaking Hebrew. <laughs> he had to learn to eat and walk and talk, and he had to learn who he was. Because Jesus was in a physical body, he had to deal with limitations. Not limitations from sin, but limitations due to the fact that God didn't make a physical body to perceive things that haven't been learned through the census. So when, when Jesus was walking through this crowd, the woman touched him. He, he pierced the power of God flowing out of him, but he didn't know who touched him. Most people think that when you approach God for healing or anything else, he evaluates you to see if you're worthy. They think that once you make your petition, God measures how worthy you are, whether you've been good enough, moral enough, paid your tithes, fasted long enough, have enough people praying for you, and if your situation is a bit desperate enough, then based on his personal evaluation, he either releases his power and you get healed, or he retains his power and says, nope, you haven't prayed enough, you aren't holy enough, you haven't fasted enough, or you have this sin in your life, and until you deal with these things, I won't heal you. People tend to view God this way, and that he's up there in heaven evaluating us, and then depending on his evaluation, he either releases his power or not. These verses in Mark 5 completely kill this misconception. Jesus didn't know who this woman was. He didn't even see her coming. She touched the hem of his garment. He perceived the outflow of power and then asked, who touched me? Jesus honestly didn't know who touched him. Therefore, he didn't evaluate her to see if she was worthy or not. This shows that the power of God flows under law. Good point. When you tap into these spiritual truths, the power of God just flows. The Lord doesn't size up one person saying, you're worthy, I'm going to release my power on you, and then looks over to another saying, no, you aren't worthy. It's not like that at all. There are laws that govern how the power of God works. When you cooperate with those laws and put them into effect, the power flows. If you don't, the power doesn't flow. It's nothing about God loving one person more than another. It's just a matter of law. God established his kingdom to operate under spiritual laws. As a believer, you need to find out what those laws are and cooperate with them. Electricity operates under law. If you're grounded and you grab a live wire, 
It'll kill you. It's not that the electric company looked at you and said, let's teach him a lesson. Keith, y'all don't do that, do you? That's nothing. I don't think you'd tell us if there are. But anyway, <laughs> just two people we know. So, but these are just natural laws. You put those laws into effect, so the power flowed. On the other hand, a bird can land on a high wire and not be electrocuted because they aren't grounded. It's not because the electric company loves birds more than they love people. They're just laws that govern how the power flows. Electricity has been around since God created the earth. It's always been here in the form of thunderstorms and static electricity. People could have used electricity thousands of years ago if they had understood the laws that governed it. God didn't just create electricity a few hundred years ago and allow people to start using it. No, it was available to be harnessed for our use. However, our ignorance of these laws kept us from benefiting from it. God didn't shut off the power. It's the same in the spirit realm. It wasn't God who let healing, the gifts of the Spirit, and other supernatural aspects of our faith just pass away more than a thousand years ago. That's not what happened. God didn't shut off the power. People entered the dark ages because they didn't retain the knowledge of the things of God. The New Testament church operated strongly in the power of God. Then years later, for whatever reason, the church at large came to the place of believing that God's miracles and supernatural power passed away with the apostles. Then in the early 1900s, the power of the Holy Spirit began to manifest again in places like Azusa Street. There was an influx of healings, deliverance, speaking in tongues, and miracles that have continued to snowball worldwide up until this present day. But it wasn't God who turned the power off after the first 200 years of Christianity then turned it back on in 1,700 years later. It's not, it's not that He operates in cycles, and now we're in a wave of, or a move of God. That's not how it works any more than it was God who kept people from using electricity, airplanes, and a car a thousand years ago. All the laws were here, but people's ignorance kept them from taking advantage of the laws. Due to their ignorance, people died of heat when they could have had air conditioning if they'd known what the laws were. People were hindered from moving over long distances in a short period of time. They had to walk or ride a camel, a donkey, a horse. It wasn't God that kept them in ignorance. They just didn't know these things. It's not God who isn't healing or blessing you. It's not the Lord who has willed you to suffer. God has created laws, but you need to discover what they are as you learn to cooperate and enforce these laws. You'll see God's provision for you manifest. You may be thinking, I disagree. That puts all the responsibility on me. You're saying that it's up to me to take hold of what God has provided. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's not God who hasn't healed, prospered, or delivered you. It's your own ignorance or not knowing that keeps you in these bondages. God has already done His part. The Word clearly reveals that the Lord has already healed you. But you have to take advantage of it, 1 Peter 2.24. Unbelief hinders healing. Go back to Mark 5 and continue looking at this woman who touched the hem of his garment. Verse 31 says that there was a multitude of people thronging him. This could have been as many as three or four hundred people trying to follow Jesus through the city streets. However many it was, there was a lot of people pressing him. They didn't just want to be near him, they wanted to draw near because there had been power and virtue flowing out of him and healing people. A multitude of people were there, of which many needed to be healed and delivered. However, one person out of the healing, or one person received healing. 
This wasn't the only time this happened. This same thing happened in John 5 at the Pool of Bethesda. There was a multitude of impotent folk there, yet one received healing. Why is it that one person gets healed when there are many who need it? Maybe you haven't received your healing. You know of other people who have. How come you don't get healed? One reason is because you don't understand that God has already done his part. You aren't taking your authority and enforcing spiritual laws. You're ignorant of what God has already said and done. So you pass, you're passively asking God, will you please heal me if it be your will? Lord, will you set me free and move in my life? And you say that many different ways, say that many different ways, but the, the Bible calls it unbelief. You aren't believing the record, which means authentic evidence. When God said, by his stripes you were healed, he put it in the past tense as an already accomplished reality. He's already done it. Therefore, you ought to believe the word and say, I know it's already done. He put the same power on the inside of me that raised Jesus from the dead. Ephesians 1, 18, 20. I take my authority and now I speak to my problem and I command these things to happen. But instead of taking your authority, you're just going passively to God and asking, God, will you please heal me if it be your will? That's unbelief and it's the reason you aren't receiving. You're ignorant of God's spiritual laws. Words. This woman in Mark 5 said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Although there are many different spiritual laws, one of them that governs whether you receive from God or not is the power of your words. Proverbs 18 says, A man shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. With the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Although many different scriptures reveal the importance of our words, Mark 11, or Mark 12, 34 to 37, James 3, and Mark 11, this one clearly reveals that both death and life are in the power of the tongue. When people are trying to receive healing from the Lord, many of them ignore this law and say, I've heard people talk about this name and claim it, blab it and grab it, group who tell people they can have what they say. They say you're supposed to say you're healed when you don't feel healed. Well, I just don't believe in that stuff. So when nobody asks, how are you? They say, well, I'm dying. I only have a week to live. The doctor told me it's terrible. I feel so bad. They're releasing death with their mouths through their negative speech. Yet they'll go to the Lord in prayer and say, oh, God, heal me if it be your will. Then when they don't see a physical healing manifest, they'll get upset with God as if he failed. There are laws that govern how to receive healing. One of them is that people will have what they say. You can't speak death out of your mouth and expect to receive life. It doesn't work that way. You might say, well, I just don't believe that. Fine. That's just like a person saying, I just don't believe that copper is a better conductor of electricity than wood. So I'm going to wire my house with wood, not copper. Hmm. They don't believe, do they? When they plug the electricity into the connection of wood, I guarantee you the power isn't going to flow. You know, it's not going to run your lights, air, appliances, or air conditioning. You may, not, you may not like this, but it's how God establishes these laws. Wood or copper. Faith flows through words. I'm glad it does. Because that gives me something I can do. Hmm? Words, you know, I always say it this way. That you 
Uh, well, let me just go in here. We'll do that in a better place. Um, faith flows through words. Words release either death or life. But your ignorance of this law doesn't mean that the law is going to change. You can declare, I can say whatever I want. It doesn't make any difference. That's not true. That's it's not how the spiritual laws of the kingdom operate any more than wood is a better conductor of electricity than copper. It's not up to you to make the laws. You just need to discover what they are then enforce them. God's word says that faith speaks, Romans 10, 6. This woman in Mark 5 started putting some of the spiritual laws of God into effect when she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. When she did, the power of God began to flow. Jesus didn't size her up and evaluate her worthiness. God's power flows when we cooperate with spiritual laws of his kingdom. Electricity isn't personal when it kills someone. There are just laws at work governing the flow of power. Either you can cooperate and use electricity to your advantage, or those same laws can kill you. So it's the same way the kingdom of God, in the, in, in the kingdom of God. There are many people who pray for healing because they don't understand the spiritual laws that govern it. When they don't see healing manifest, they get mad at God saying, Lord, if you wanted to, you could have healed this person. No, God has set the kingdom up to operate under laws, and he just can't violate them. The Lord doesn't want people to die from gravity, falling off bridges, buildings, or cliffs. It's not his will. However, Colorado Springs man was climbing on some rocks on a mountain nearby, and he fell about 300 feet. He was one of our soldiers who survived Iraq, but he didn't survive this fall. It wasn't God's will for this man to die. But what's the Lord going to do? Will he stop the law of gravity to save the man's life? Although God is the one who created the laws that govern the spiritual world, if he were to suspend gravity because he didn't want this guy to die, there would have been multitudes of other people depending on the law of gravity who would have died. So he created these laws, and he doesn't suspend them. If you don't cooperate with the law of gravity, you could get killed. If you jump off a 10-story building, gravity will kill you. God intended gravity to be your advantage and to help you function here on the earth. If you're sitting in a chair right now, you don't have to force yourself to stay down. Gravity is working. The same law that will help you if you cooperate with it will kill you if you violate it. It's the same way in the spirit realm. Simple, but it's very good to know how it flows. So we're going to go to uh, our part of uh, I, I want to get some of the mindset of ministering to sick people or ministering to people. They're not, it's not always physical sickness, but just, but just ministering to the people. And uh, this is some things I was going to share with you last Wednesday when uh, we couldn't get to the building. Um, you don't have to turn there, but if, if you're making notes and if you want to put down the, the reference, I, I'm not going to turn to it. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness, the world and all those who dwell therein. God, of course, is the supreme ruler of the world. And we are, uh, we are his, as children, believers, we are his participants in the earth. We're, the Bible calls us 
laborers or co-laborers with God. We are, we are God's partner. And sometimes people, I've heard people say, well, God doesn't need anyone. Well, that's just not true. He needs us. Jesus said, you're the vine and I'm the branch. And, uh, you know, a branch, uh, if we're branches, just think of a branch of a tree. Think of a fruit tree. Just think of a, any kind of tree. The branch is very supportive of the tree, isn't it? I mean, you ever saw a branch just suspended out in the middle? middle? No. But, uh, you know, who'd want to go up to a, a fruit tree or I don't care what it is, but it's a fig or apple or peach or whatever it is, and it'd just be a peach tree and, you, and there's no limbs. I mean, there's no, what's the purpose of having a, a peach tree with no limbs? So it's, it's just a tree, but the, the, the part that we're, we understand about that is Jesus said, but I'm, I'm this part of it and you're that part of it, and together we're just, we're just one. So God owns it all, but he gave, he gave the earth over into, uh, into our stewardship. So we're participating with him in, uh, in ruling and reigning in the kingdom. Um, getting people healed or set free or delivered, or whether it's uh, from a demon or whether it's from sickness or disease, uh, is on our part. If you think about these things, and we're all learning, or you know, I don't know anyone who knows all of it. Uh, you know, God, when the when the children of Israel cried out for uh, mercy a number of years ago, and you read it over there, God has answered their cry. And the way He did this, He went and He went and located a man named Moses. I mean. Why didn't he just do it independent of him? Because he doesn't operate that way. He operates through people. And uh, God has always used people to minister to people. And so there's a concept that, that I know you'll hear what I'm saying now because I'm going to make a little point out of it, but there's a really a whole lot should be said about it. We, we kind of make, and this might be a little situation for, for in our thinking that we need to adjust a little bit because we talk a lot about in New Testament times or in modern times, we talk about church a lot. And we have a lot of uh, things that, uh, that uh, different ministries uh, offer to other ministries or they'll have church ideas or they'll have church growth ideas and, um, and, or come be a part of this growth program or or learn how to do this and learn how to increase your Sunday school, learn how to increase your numbers 30% or like this. But, but the emphasis is all, and, and they're not bad things, I'm just saying, but the emphasis is, is about getting people to come to a, a place together in a building. And so the emphasis is about building a local church. That's not really the New Testament model. And that's not really popular, and you don't hear many pastors say that because uh, they're like, oh, wait a minute, don't tell people that. Well, uh, there's probably uh, a few hundred times in the, in the epistles where there's the contrast of that is Jesus talked about, Paul talked about, the disciples and the apostles all talked about the kingdom of God. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to be kingdom builders. You know, things could change one day. How we come together and meet could, could totally and radically change. I mean, there's, uh, we, say, we say that we live in the land of the free, 
it's getting less free every year. And if you don't know that, you've been sleeping under a rock somewhere. And, and we, so we need to exercise our responsibility and our right when we go to the, uh, to the voting booth. But I mean, our, um, there's an assault uh, on this nation. There's really an assault on, on, on the Christians of the United States and, and the, the part of the world that uh, recognizes Christ and Christianity. Uh, and so these freedoms are trying to be stripped away from us. And if certain people had uh, their, their um, desires, um, you and I wouldn't just by choice get in our car and be here tonight. Uh, we know people in some European countries that they don't have, it's not communism as it were, but they don't have the, uh, they don't have the rights that you have. Um, I, I know we were talking with a couple number of years ago, and he said, I said, for, for instance, he said, well, for instance, you want to remodel your home. Say you want to take that window out and put in another window, or say that you, you wanted a window there, and it was just a wall. He says, you can't just decide that. He said, you have to go ask. There has to be a request. You have to get a permit. You have to get permission from the government to make that type of change in your home. He said, he said you Americans complain about taxes. He says, but he says we pay... 70% 70, 70 of every dollar goes to tax. He said, and this guy was a millionaire. He said, when I mean I'm a millionaire in Europe, he said, I mean, it takes a lot of money to be a millionaire, <laughs> a millionaire in Europe because they're taking seven cents out of every, you know, out of every dollar or 70% or out, yeah, out, of, out of every dollar. So these laws are being violated and by and large, the church has kind of slept through a lot of it. And hasn't been a voice. Now, I don't mean that we need to go pick it and do things such as this, but uh, um, we're going to have an affidavit pretty soon for you to sign. You can, you can do it individually if you want to. I was really glad to hear that Andrew Wanlicker is going to do something. He's uh, teaming up with um, different ones. But uh, you might have saw a program a number of months ago he had on uh, James Dobson. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, family, what do you call it? Yeah. That place, and so he, uh, he he said, you know, we we don't have all the same doctrinal beliefs, and he had him on his program. He said, but um, he said, but I, I I know these are things that deeply concern him. On his programs, to focus on the family, and he says we can put any doctrinal differences aside because if we can't if we can't agree on Jesus, the Son of God, and and the shed blood of Jesus, and went to the cross and died for our sins, uh, to deal with some of these issues. And uh, it's, it, it was back, you know, some time ago, but it's just when the Supreme Court decided that God was wrong. How, how, can, I, how can under 10 people in the United States change how we're going to live life that drastically? That no longer does it matter what God says about the institution of marriage, that nine people can decide that for us. And uh, if some meetings I've been in, and I'm a little bit privy to some of the things that's happening, I don't know how to play out, but uh, it could really change in the next few years or quicker how we do certain things. The reason I said that is I hope it never comes to this, but uh, I'll just give you for instance. If this doesn't change... And unless I agree 
to employ, if I have employees, um, a homosexual. Um, and that's not even the big issue, a homosexual, but I'm talking about couples who have, we're going to give rights to, we're going to give uh, tax privileges to, uh, everything that a, a man and a wife with children under the institution of marriage, as God said it, you'd have, you know, you would have privileges as U.S. citizens. They want to give this to a, uh, to people who are homosexual to, to go to a, Adoption agency and adopt. I mean, they have to go to adoption agency because there ain't no other way to get no chair run. <laughs> Maybe they're working on that too, right? But uh, they go to the adoption agency to get a child, and then here the, and this is. Uh, well, I don't know what to call them. It can't be can't be man and wife. I mean, I don't know what what to call it. It's a, man, it's messed up. And then this child's messed up, right? But if I don't, if I refuse to marry this couple. Um, this church is just gone. I'm, I'm in jail, I'm in prison, and this church is gone. That's where it's headed to. That's where it's headed to. While the church sleeps. And having potluck dinners. People are working 24 hours a day behind behind the walls, eroding away at this thing. And so Andrew Womack is, I don't know who all he's working with, but I know he's working with Dr. Dobson, to put a petition out that, sound, that sounded like the Bill of Rights, except they, he, he started off, you know, we, we have these, these rights, and, and I thought he was going to quote the, the Bill of Rights, but he tweaked it in such a way that had to do with this whole issue. And so he's going to be asking for people all throughout the world to sign this petition, and then he's going to put it, Andrew Walmart's going to put this petition, hoping to have hundreds of millions of, of, of petitioners or people who signed the petition who's adamantly against that you change this law. Nine people would do this. You know, the, the, the way the, <laughs> I don't have to tell you how this how politicians work, but basically, they're supposed to be working for us, right? In other words, they're supposed to represent us. They're supposed to know the will of the people in their, whether it's a city or whether it's the state. Uh, and they're supposed to go to the Congress and Senate and say, you know, in the state of Alabama, this is, this is what we, this is what we're about, this is what we're for. You know, we couldn't get all five million people here from Alabama here today, but this is what they're saying by and large. And that's not what happens all the time, is it? And we people, we find people have agendas, and we find out they follow a lot of them, follow, and there's a lot of good ones, I know, but there's, there's corruption that's set there. It's, it's, it's just, I mean, uh, you know, just thinking that you can trust them because you sent them there all the time, it doesn't work that way. That's like, you know, asking the, the fox to, to guard the hen house, you know, while you're taking a nap. They'll, they're willing to. But I don't know if you need to go to sleep, right? So um, he's asking us to sign this petition so that he can present it. He's going to put it in every major newspaper uh, in the United States. It's going to be in, in all of them, liberal and conservative. And, uh, and they're going to they're print this petition, and it'll represent hopefully hundreds of millions of people in saying, 
We want this changed. So if if someone wants to keep their job and they're representing them, if you don't, if if, if you never voice anything, then they'll just keep on doing what they're doing. But if but if ten people can make a decision, I mean in churches they do that if they if they have the kind of church that votes people in. I mean I grew up in that church, the pastors in or out, we're gonna know in a few minutes. <laughs> I mean I mean, usually didn't happen every year, it was every two or three years, but I mean, in, in a lot of those, you know, denominations, they, they knew they were going. That's the reason there was never change. You know, how could a guy do that anyway? He just moved from one city to another city. He's not in charge of anything. He has no charge of the finances. They made him a, a deal over here, and this is your, you know, this is your package over here and compensation, whatever, and this is about where you're going to live, or we already had the place where you're going to live, and these are the kind of messages that we let you do, and, and then this is what we'll be expected of you, and you are now hired. And then we'll let you know in 24 months if we want to up you again or not. I have a lot of respect for people who can do that. <clears throat> I'd rather eat a crazy rose lizard for, for breakfast, lunch, and supper than, than, than do that. I mean, you could just go to God and say, I want you to do this, and the boss says, you ain't doing that. I've only had two people do that to me in 20-something years. It would just, I mean, it wouldn't work here, uh, but I've had two money influential people through the years tell me, we, would, we'll, we will compensate this ministry in very large portions, but I'm, I'm going to be on the board, and this is kind of going to be the emphasis of your ministry. And, uh, and I said, uh, I thought, I thought it was just a really bad joke, <laughs> you know, but they were very serious. And, and he said, uh, you can let me know about in a few days. I said, well, I can let you know right now. I said, ain't nothing to talk about. I said, do you see prostitute road anywhere on my back right there? <laughs> I'm not for hire. I'm not a hireling. If I have to stay small the rest of my life, I'll stay small. But if God does something, tells me to do something, I know, he, I know he said do it. By God's grace and by his help, I'm going to do it if the hair lifts the devil. And you, he said, well, I'm, and then this guy said, well, I'm your biggest giver. And I said, no, sir. I guess you're my second biggest giver. My biggest giver is him. So I still got him. Goodbye. I didn't like that at all. So I invited him to hit the door with the good Lord split you. Hallelujah. Act like a tree and leaf. You ain't left yet. <laughs> and in uh, a hireling, uh, they're they're not willing to lay their life down for the sheep. They're they're looking for a better compensation package. It's it's almost business. And so, if we sign this petition and we can represent hundreds of millions of people throughout the world, and and our congressman is there. If he wants to keep his job, we want him to talk about this now. And that's what's going on in this election, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's wild. It really is. I mean, just like someone said today, I mean, who's going to get it, the crazy man or a crazy woman? <laughs> but but the, the, just the general consensus of the whole thing is Americans are, are sick of corruption on both sides. That we're willing to chance... You know, I, I know a guy's a, uh, is a billionaire, but it just seems to me like, you know, at least a day's experience at this job would help. 
I imagine you could stump him somewhere in the, in the political process of how things work. I mean, not that he should know, but he gets that job? I mean, how would you like me, how would you like to come to the Birmingham to airport tomorrow morning and, and I'm going to fly? <laughs> but, but now, they're going to tell me right before we take off. I'm, I'm, they're going to show me some things. Anybody want to go? Well, just because I got great motor skills, if I do, is that enough for you? So I don't. I didn't mean to get off on all that. I'm, I'm just saying, but but you can see it working in the political realm this year that it's just, you know, we looking to make a, a major change. So we're going to have this petition, and then we we hope that you would like to sign it, and uh, we want to be a part of that. Because what could, what could happen is, is in all this stem from we're talking about the church or the kingdom. Uh, you know, this is a building. This is not church. This, this building to me is immaterial. We, we need a place to meet. But, you know, that's, you know, to put all your emphasis, well, we grew up there and, you know, my papa done so-and-so there. Well, I, I understand that part. I mean, I'm not unfeeling towards all that. But we can't put our, our emphasis on what happens in a brick-and-mortar building. Really what happens, the only thing that really matters is, is how and what we do that affects the kingdom of God, right? I mean, you, we could all cry tears and say, well, God, you know, I lived on earth and now you're going to destroy it. Well, he's going to make a new one. Get over it. Well, we don't like change. Get over it. It's going to change. You know, I went to a restaurant one time and they took off my favorite menu and I thought, well, what are y'all open for? <laughs> oh, we went somewhere one more for breakfast and they didn't have no bacon so we don't have no bacon left I said then well why are y'all open well we got lots of stuff I said well why are you open <laughs> got no bacon it's breakfast time I don't want no trick cereal do that at the house <clears throat> so it's, it's about kingdom so the kingdom of God is not the same thing as the church the scriptures talks about the kingdom a little bit more than a hundred times in the, in the New Testament. In the New Testament, it talks about the church two times. This seems like if you said something a hundred times versus two times, you're trying to make an emphasis of what's the most important. See what I'm saying? And so the kingdom is, is not, Jesus said, out there. You can't point to it over here or over there. He said the kingdom, the kingdom is, is here. You're the kingdom. And, but the mindset that is about come to church, the church is going to do this. And, um, and I know that this, this conversation has been taking place for years that, that ministries have built multi-million dollar beautiful buildings that are absolutely beautiful. They are. And wonderful facilities. But now they can't do anything that they want to do to reach the world because they're trying to they're, they're trying to pay a mortgage. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like it's like a home. You can get a home, but maybe you can make the payment. Do you know what it costs for upkeep? Do you know the house ain't gonna stay new all the time? And it's it's gonna need things. And so it's not just the payment. And a lot of times we're not doing the work of the ministry because we've been building buildings and doing such as this. So, you know, really, and Elliot and I talked about this, and, and, I, and I'm not saying I'm working on this in that sense, but we have to be open to it. I basically, it won't be state-of-the-art. I basically can take a, 
a computer with a little Wi-Fi and uh, a little camera shot. It's kind of like FaceTime. And from wherever we are, we can have church. And I like it more like this where we can see each other, one another, and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, don't, I don't think that'll go away. I, but I'm just saying we can, you know, a lot of, a lot of large ministries that went to satellite-type churches where you have a pastor here and he speaks to four congregations at one time or two churches or whatever. And, um, you know, that's just like, uh, and that's not all bad. I don't like all parts of that, but it's not all bad. Brother Hagin used to do some of that towards the last of his life. I mean, you know, he wasn't coming to every church in America. And Brother Hagin wasn't coming to Jemison. You know, I mean, one, you, we wouldn't go hold him here, but there wasn't no church going to be able to hold him. Not that Jemison would have known who he was, but there would have been enough people from Birmingham that, that wasn't going to hold him here. So with a man at his age and so much strength to work with, I mean, you, you can't just run him all over the world in a physical body do hundreds and hundreds of thousands of meetings. But you could put some in one place and shoot a satellite. He did that many times and had meetings. And then we'd, sometimes we'd watch him for a week, get together at night. And it's not the same as being right there, but we were getting the same word, right? In other words, we're, we, we aren't in this meeting, but we're talking about it. I don't know what's such a, a, a strange thing. You know, we're talking about, well, that, there's no personal thing to it. Well, we weren't here when they were doing this. Right? I mean, it's this, this moved on 2,000 years past actually being there. And this is the main event. So there might be ways that, uh, you know, that we can just do a, uh, a Bible study into an area with people that, uh, you know, what Brother Wynn was talking, ministering to us. Well, we knew some of those things about that. He, and he, he was putting in, like, if you heard him, with us, you know, four, then eight, and 16, and 32, and 64. He was talking about apostolic-type works. Well, you know, that's, that's getting people. You could have a church in Marbury. You know, if you go to a lot of the satellite churches, I mean, what they have is they have a, a staff pastor, right? So that when whoever's preaching at the main church live and it's being sent out to six different churches or however many churches, Someone is there as a staff pastor, so if people need prayer, they need to come up, they need, they need ministering to or prayer of any type or any type of ministry, someone is there to minister to them. Because what they haven't found out how to do, they haven't, how to find, they haven't found out how to take that guy speaking or that lady speaking and divide her up into these seven places at one time. They haven't figured that out yet. And, uh, and I don't want them to figure that out. I don't want no one cutting on me. At all. So we, we want to get a more of an idea of the kingdom instead of a central place called the church. In other words, we're mobile. Instead of waiting for them to come to us, we go to them. Amen. We're just out in the middle of the, we're just out doing our day, right? And we come across people. So it, it has to be an idea that we have to break into. So Jesus spoke of the kingdom more than a hundred times. In contrast, he referred to the church two times. Uh, <clears throat> What did he do? Well, uh, well, let me just read my note here. Following his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus remained on earth for 40 days before he ascended to heaven. What did he do during the last 40 days before he ascended back to heaven? He instructed his disciples about the kingdom. That's uh, Acts 1-3. Matter of fact, I think I'll just read it real quick. Acts 1-3. I'm right here at it right now. Uh, Acts 1-3. It says, to whom he showed himself alive, Jesus, this is after he was crucified, came from the dead, but before he went to heaven, 
He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. He was, he was seen for 40 days speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In other, in other place it says being seen of at least 500 people. So for 40 days, you'd have to think Jesus knows how much time he has left before he sins. And he's, speak, and he's taking the last 40 days and he's making a lot of emphasis speaking to his disciples about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. He wasn't talking about Sunday school. He wasn't talking about, you know, whether to build a metal building or a brick building or a block building or get you a tent or whatever. He, he was talking about, you're the church, 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 you're the ecclesia. The church just means ecclesia. That just means you have been called out. It has two references. You've been called out of darkness and you've been translated into the kingdom of light. The other reference to that is you've been called out of these four walls to go do something that should be connected to the local church of which you're supposed to belong to, uh, with a shepherd. And what he's called you to do should have something to do with the Great Commission and has, should, have, should have the heartbeat of that ministry who you're connected to. Amen. Right? And so, but we, you know, we, we're like, stick a sign up, it's church, we have Sunday school, y'all welcome. I mean, how many times do we ride by a sign that says, everyone welcome, 1030, 11 o'clock? Well, that's not, that wasn't his idea. We were supposed to be out there doing something. And, uh, and then, then they'll come in here, and we'll have, we'll have a time where we get together and minister the word and worship and praise and all that. So, he, he, so 40 days he's talked about the kingdom. And here's the facts. Jesus is God the Son, Right? He's fully God. He's fully man. And after he successfully fulfilled his mission on earth, God the Father established him as ruler over the world. Uh, let's look at Revelations chapter 11. We only have just a few minutes left. Some folks got to get home and watch Gunsmoke. We've got to hurry. We won't say who, but we understand. We're talking about the, the, the uh, stewardship and to be ruler over the earth. This is our point, Revelations eleven fifteen. 15. It says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever and forever. So it's talking about the kingdom. And he said, This kingdom are become the kingdoms of, the, of our Lord, talking about Jesus, of our Lord God and His Christ, and He shall reign over them forever and ever. Of course, we reign with Him, don't we? We know that because Matthew 28 says, Jesus came and spoke with them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Then He gave us the, down here, the Great Commission, Go ye. So I want to say it this way. This is what I wrote down. Um, the church is composed of those who have been redeemed through the death and resurrection of Jesus. With the mission to, we are called to expand this kingdom just as Christ did when he lived on earth. Um, and we're, we're actively thinking about all kind of things that we're do, to do, not just here, but other places. Not just in this building, but other places. I've 
you know, I, I, I've built businesses in my 20s and my, mostly my 20s. Of these network type businesses, some of you have been involved in them, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not here to talk about the business. I, I, I'm just here to talk about the concept of that was a business without walls. Now, there, there was a wall somewhere that developed products and services, warranties and guarantees, but I was building the business without walls. My business comprised of about 200-something people in Alabama at one time, in Georgia, Tennessee, and um, it required going to and working with people. But a lot of times it just required going to a home and pull some people together. And I would pull up a board and easel and I'd say, this is how this business works. And we would talk about their goals and their ideas and their dreams and how we could achieve that. And sometimes it was four people, sometimes it was ten. I met with the guys on, sometimes I'd meet with a guy at Wendy's and I'd take a napkin and I'd say, this is basically how this business works. And I'd give him the napkin and say, we'll be with, next Tuesday we'll have a meeting at your home. They said, well, why, why would you do that? Well, because that, we were expanding the business. Expanding the business. Then I noticed that as we began to expand the business, and I was 20, gosh, I was 26, 27, well, 1990. Anyway, I was upper 20s, but not 30. And I was sitting down with millionaires, and they were telling me, based on where I was at, at this growth right here, at your normal pace, at which they were mentoring me, when you're 30, you can retire from any type of secular work. And he said, if you can, and this would be back like in 1990, he said, if you can live on $100,000 a year, you, you'll be able to retire when you're 30. And he was telling me this at 28. And he had an organization of about 15,000 people. And I thought he knew what he was talking about because he'd been doing it 20 years. And so we would just sit down, and what we were doing, we were looking for leaders, and we were to achieve a certain goal that they had. I wasn't interested in selling anything, but there was a lot of things you could sell, but I wasn't interested in selling anything. I have to connect you. Someone say, one guy said, well, I, I want to get in that thing and sell them an alarm system. Well, go for it. I mean, it'd be your business. That's what you want to do. What I wanted to do was I wanted to build a network of hundreds of people. And then uh, we had everything from, you know, <clears throat> years ago it was Amway. Then it went to something else. But, you know, if it was Amway, you, well, what is it you couldn't get with Amway? Most people didn't know it. <laughs> good, good thing they didn't keep them because they'd go bust. At one, at one time, you could buy a phone booth from Amway. I mean, the booth, the phone, everything. You could own that. You could buy a car at your Amway. You could buy, you could, they had their own house realty division because they started in soap and a lot of folks didn't know that. But you could buy your own Q-tips, your mouthwash, your hair, your detergent. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to build a community of people. See what I'm talking about? And then so here's all the stuff that you have. What would happen after I did this 200 people thing, which it took me, I burned up two cars building it, and slept about four hours a night. It was called, I didn't have the money to buy a McDonald's, the million dollars just put down. So what I had was called sweat equity. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You build it with your sweat. And uh, so I built this community of people and then we did a product awareness fair. They would see the products they had and they'd order products. And 
we weren't selling anything. So uh, we had a lady, uh, one of these companies that uh, do uh, like Mary Kay or whatever, and they do kind of like a, a network marketing thing where you can get in and, you know, some people call it recruiting. I don't call it recruiting, but that's what they called it. And they said, well, we have the best makeup. And I said, well, I said, well, what we do, we have Amway's artistry. They said, oh, this is a lot better. I said, well, how much do you sell? Oh, we, we, we sell two, $3,000 a month. I said, well, we're selling, what, what Michelle, about $6,000 right now? And I didn't know Rouge from, I, I, I didn't know anything about nothing. But what I was doing, see, I was building a community of people and saying, this is your products, your products. This is what it benefits you to buy from yourself at wholesale and save the money, and you build your dream instead of Walmart's dream. See what I'm saying? So we were running every month when I was 28 years old around $15,000 a month of goods and services, which ain't not too bad when I was 28. So he said about two more years of doing this, then he said you should have an income of eighty dollars to $100,000, and then you can go up to the millions if you want to. And then God said something about Raymond ministry, and I was like, huh? What? I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it, it floored me, man. I'm just telling you, you just don't know how much it floored me. I, I mean, I left a ring, I didn't know I was going to be in the ministry. I was like, I don't know what that was about. I'll tell you what I thought it was about. Because <sighs> if you put 200 people together to do anything, you're going to have some problems. If there's more than two of y'all live in the same house, y'all, you know what I'm talking about? People come up with some stuff. You put 200 people in a group to do something together and see if they don't have some problems. Well, I didn't know anything about anything. I had a sweet little couple down in Mobile. Boy, I remember their name right now. Last name was Stringfellow. And her, her baby had just died. I was probably 26. And she was all upset. And she didn't know us, but they got in this business. And Michelle and I were down there. And she said, I don't know why God took my baby. And I said, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she said, would you pray? And I'm thinking, pray, man, I ain't been to church for 10 years. Pray, uh, help. I mean, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know nothing about anything. And I said, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I said, when we get to heaven, I told her God maybe needed some angels. That's me. So I, could, I couldn't help anybody. I had people wanting to get separated, people wanting to get divorced. And, and my only counsel to all of them was, quit, stop it. I'm trying to become a millionaire. Stop it. <laughs> See, it was, about, it was about me, what it was about. You know, like, Stop it. Get along. Let's make some money. Stop this stuff. <clears throat> my goals, my values was a little bit different back then. It was just about, you know, making the buck and let's get somewhere. <clears throat> but when David Dixon spoke a word to me, what he was saying was, God wants to use some of those things to implement those ideas for the kingdom. So I, I know how to meet a guy at Wendy's on a napkin and spell out redemption on a plan when, he, when I can't get him into a building. And I know how to train people to do that. Because they're doing it to you now, too. So, praise the Lord. That's all right. But, you know, the thing is, that's what the kingdom does. The kingdom has wheels on it. And it rolls. And it has ideas. And it shares with people. It just connects people. So I don't mean to be rambling on. I'm just saying is we need to get to the idea more of just we come and park in a building. Because one day this could be changed. Part of what they're going to do is they're, they're, what they're saying is if, like for instance, if they make a law next year and says if you're not willing to marry these two people right here 
or if you have a ministry of so-and-so and you've hired some people but you're not willing to hire one or two of these people, then uh, you, you can no longer have your, your, first off, you're gonna lose your 501c3 status, that's gone, and then you can't do this, that, and the other. But it, it won't matter to me. It won't matter to me at all. I mean, I'd rather not have to go through all that. But they can't, they can't keep you and I from meeting at the park, can they? They can't keep you and I meeting in the building, and, we, and we're just calling it, hey, y'all. The, the, name of, the name of the church was nothing. We're just here, you know. You mean you found out about us? <laughs> right? So there's always ways around it. But I'm just saying there's, we want to be open to ideas of how we can, not just because of that problem, but how we can be more mobile to reach people. You do realize that when the gospel has been preached or, or at least been presented to this world, we out of here? Would y'all like to go to heaven soon? I mean, or do y'all just, someone told me that Jemison, I don't know if they are or not. I hear, I hear this all the time. I've been hearing it three years. Someone told me that Jemison is going to get a Waffle House. So I'm not, I really don't want, I don't want to go before then. <laughs> Dear God. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I want to be able to have the smother and covered. <laughs> Wouldn't want to go too early. <laughs> oh, you want me to go ahead and mark that off my bucket list so we can get out of here? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, so when the gospel has been presented, that's what he said. He said, we can go, right? So let's tell some folks. I'm, I think I'm going to start telling them, man, we're ready to go. You want, that's, that's how I did this business. It works this way. You do this, you get six, they get four, they get two. At this level, you're going to make $614. At this level, you're going to make 1238 This In two years, you're going to do this, do this. You're going to make $75 a year. Do these two things over here you want to do? Tell me now. i got to go. Well, I don't know if we ain't really interested. All right, never mind. Y'all have a good day. I'm going to talk to somebody really important. Now, how about you? <laughs> so 20-something years old, our whole thing was some will, some won't, so what? Next. So let's just get it presented so we can go. The kingdom of God is the manifestation. Listen to this. The kingdom of God is the manifestation of the spirit realm that demonstrates his lordship, his dominion, and his will on earth. The kingdom of God, you. Because remember, where's the kingdom? He said it's in you. Luke 17, 20 said the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Can't be seen with a building like this. They will not say, look, there's the kingdom. Look, there's the kingdom. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, what is the kingdom? It's the influence and dominion and the will and lordship of a king or prince over a certain territory for the purpose of governing its inhabitants. Now, why is that important? You realize probably in heaven, and we can look at some scriptures about this to support this, that you probably are not just always going to be sitting in an easy chair on the cloud somewhere eating Oreos for eons. You realize that when during the millennium, when we're here for a thousand years, there'll be something to do here. And according to your diligence and according to your call and your gifting and according to how well you steward what you was here may determine what you'll be in charge of when we're back here for a thousand years. So I don't want to come back here and weed eat. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm thankful for they have weed eaters, but I, that's a long time. Oh, too much. Oh, 
thousand years. <laughs> Who wants to do that? Do you realize that some of you, if you're living in the same area, you may be the mayor there? You may be uh, one of the government officials there under the headship of Jesus who's running everything from his throne. Hmm? He'll have it by cities and he'll have it by regions. There will not be any voting. There won't be a democracy or a public. It'll be reigned through Jesus. But he'll have structure and he'll have authority. And how do you know? How do we really know Boy, I'm going to really get off on this one. Watch here. This is not, this is, I always say, insert, thus saith Eric, not thus saith the word of the Bible. So just do whatever you want to do with this. How do you know? In eternity, we won't be doing some more of this kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, not that someone, Jesus has to come and die for people. They might, there might be other places. Hmm? You know Forever is a long time. Huh? Forever is a long, long time. I mean, uh, even if you go to your favorite restaurant, eat all you can, eat all you can possibly sit there and stand, still after two years, you got to get up. <laughs> <laughs> so Jesus may have a total plan that's just, you know, I mean, how, how, how long has Paul been in heaven? A long time, hadn't he? And it may not work like that that way at all. I'm not saying that it does. I have no scripture to support that. I, I'm just saying that God is going to use his people, and according to your due diligence here, he's going to use you during the millennium the same way, according to your ability and your due diligence. So I don't want, I don't want to eat myself personally. I do some at the house, but I don't, I don't want to do it for a thousand years. He wants you to rule and reign. and Because uh, the word's never going to change. So the church uh, is, or the kingdom is the influence, the dominion, the will and lordship of a king or a prince over a certain territory for the purpose of governing its inhabitants. Everything that takes place on earth is to advance the kingdom and is first revealed and decreed in heaven. Two minutes. The kingdom of God extends the dominion and authority of the king to the world. It's the realm where his will is obeyed, producing a heaven on earth. Producing heaven on earth. The kingdom of God, once again, extends. It's an extension of heaven, the dominion and authority of the king. Now, you, you know there's the words interchangeable. You, you see it in the scripture. Not always, but uh, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. A lot of times it means the same thing, but not always. Uh, Basically, the kingdom, of, the, the kingdom of heaven is primarily a location. Heaven is a location, right? But the kingdom of God is the kingdom of that location. And so the kingdom of God is already here. It's no, it's no longer scripture to pray, thy kingdom come. It's already come. It's in you, right? So every time that we go out in R-A-Z-E, hell, raise hell, you are extending this kingdom. Every demon that you cast out, you just made a demon homeless. And he's not happy about that. Would you like to be homeless tonight? So when you say get out in the name of Jesus, he lost, he lost his home. What did you do? You advanced the cause, the influence of the kingdom of God. And you are important 
with, uh, to the kingdom when you're living in such a manner. So we're kingdom extenders. We're not here to build castles. We're here to build a kingdom. It's fine to have a nice house, but we're not really here to build a castle, a home like that. We're here to build a, a kingdom. Amen. Amen. All right. Just a, just a tad more. <clears throat> it's the, for example, each time Jesus announced the good news of the kingdom, think about this. Sickness, sin, and demons, and poverty, and death could not remain in that area every time Jesus pronounced the kingdom. Remember he said the kingdom of God is near you? And when he did, something was being cast out or some, some sickness was leaving. Uh, and when he sent his disciples out, remember, he said, he said, don't go with a script. Don't take all this with you. He said, but when you get there, tell them what? The kingdom of God is coming to you. He didn't say the church is, we fixed that up church. We're going to have a fest on this thing and dinner on the grounds. Y'all come, bring your mom and them. Come early now and get a good seat. Gene Larry and them is going to be there. You ain't seen that boy sing that tenor boy. You ain't seen nothing yet. That, that ain't what he did. And I'm not against any, any of that. I'm just saying that's not, that's the mindset of building a church. He wants us to build the kingdom. Kingdom seekers. Seek first the what? And all those things should be added. He didn't say seek first the church. He says seek first the kingdom. We get to heaven, we'll, we'll get that. We'll say, oh, this is the city of God. <laughs> I mean, there's no, uh, bunch of, there's no churches. Oh, there's not any up here. I mean, where, where's the Baptist made? <laughs> there's a bunch of us, ain't there? <laughs> where's the word of faith? Where, everybody's word of faith. Everybody's about We're all Christians, right? And we're, we'll, we'll finally get the idea. This is, oh, this is a, oh, it's a family. Oh, my gosh, it's a family. You know, and. Brother Hagin said, we're all going to have something in common. We'll find out how ignorant we were about a lot of stuff. <laughs> and we won't, we won't, the Pentecostals won't be telling the, you know, the baddest, told y'all them tongues, told y'all them, told y'all that was from God. And they're going to say, it done passed away, so who cares? <laughs> John Osteen, I used to say that all the time, but, you know, John Osteen was a Southern Baptist who got filled with the Holy Ghost and became word my Pentecostal guy. He says, you know, he said, and when I was Baptist, he said, we couldn't raise our hands and shout in church. He said, man, I got them on the Pentecostal. They shout, they raise, they pray in tongues. He said, they do all of it. He said, the only thing that bothers me about that now, he said, I'm one of them now. He said, but, I, but the thing that bothers me about that, he said, they get so excited, don't know what they're doing. He said, some of them ain't going to make heaven because they're going to run past the gate. He said, they won't slow down long enough to get in. They <laughs> <laughs> can't do nothing without running through the church. <laughs> They're going to miss the whole game, you see, because <laughs> they ain't paying no attention to running. <laughs> the kingdom of God flows through us. One minute. Kingdom means royalty, rule, reign, sovereignty, or royal power. The kingdom, he said in Matthew 12, 22 to 28, the kingdom is here and now. He didn't teach about the kingdom as an eternal future. There is no past or future in him. He is the eternal now. He was on earth, so his message was the kingdom has arrived and could be received now. That message has never changed. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to receive the offering, and I'm going to let y'all go. I know gun smoke is going to be on. I'll tell you what. And it's going to be a good one. Like Brother Hagin said, John Wayne, he said, I like John Wayne. He always wins. 
Did you know John Wayne, before he died of cancer, he got saved on his bed reading one of Brother Hagin's books. And he sent him, sent a, uh, sent him Brother Hagin, uh, he told us that in school, uh, someone had sent him some uh, literature and they wrote and, and put it by his bedside and, and he just wanted to thank the ministry for the materials that were sent to him. <laughs> he said he was born again and, and was headed to heaven and wanted to thank Brother Hagin for his, his ministry. So I'm telling you, partner, <laughs> he's going to be in heaven. Uh, Y'all ready? Father, we call it blessed. This seed blessed and sanctified. We command it to increase and multi multiply and become all, all of the increase it can and should be. Maximum increase in Jesus' name. Now, seed, you grow up, you have ears, you go and you become increase. And you come back in manifested forms to the people in Jesus' name, according to their faith, so it be done unto them. In Jesus' name, amen.